a celebration of life, love, laughter, and tradition, Fiddler on the Roof returns to the stage in this new, highly acclaimed Broadway in Chicago run, featuring the classics Tradition, If I Were a Rich Man, Sunrise, Sunset, Matchmaker, Matchmaker, and To Life, To Life, Lechaim. Fiddler on the Roof will introduce a new generation to this uplifting celebration that raises its cup to joy, and of course, to life. This show is one week only at the Cadillac Palace Theater, May 17th through 22nd. Tickets are at broadwayinchicago.com. And Mishkan Chicago gets a special discount code, $45 middle balcony tickets for May 17th, 18th, and 19th with code ROOF45. Can I just say, as a rabbi and someone who believes that Fiddler on the Roof is actual Torah, this is an incredible opportunity for anyone wanting to deepen the love they already have for a classic Jewish story or fall in love with it for the first time. Cadillac Palace Theater, May 17th through 22nd, broadwayinchicago.com, special discount code ROOF45. Welcome to Shabbat Replay. This episode is from the virtual Friday night Shabbat service on May 20th. Rabbi Lizzie was joined by Aria Marvazi of the Jews of Color Initiative. Take it away, Rabbi Lizzie. All right, so um, I'm excited to introduce the person I'll be dialoguing with tonight, Aria Marvazi. So Rabbi Stephen actually made this introduction, and... Uh, but Arya and I actually have shared a lot of the same spaces over time, uh, basically in different decades, um, which makes me feel awfully old. But nonetheless, um, Arya is the senior director of programs for the Jews of Color Initiative. He is a first generation born um, to Iranian immigrants, Iranian Jewish immigrants. You'll hear a little bit more about that. Um, for nearly 15 years, Arya has been a Jewish professional in many different Jewish contexts, Hillel on campus, Hillel International, JQ International, and has also been involved as a lay leader in different Jewish organizations like the Joint Distribution Community in, uh, Committee in Twine, JPRO, uh, American Jewish Committee, the Schusterman ROI Community. Um, he earned his BA in psychology at uh, University of California in San Diego and has an MA in organizational behavior from NYU. So we recorded this a little bit earlier today, and um, I'm excited to share this conversation with you. Hello, Arya. Hi there, Lizzie. How are you? I am well. I am, I am thrilled it's Friday. I am it has, it's been a long week and I'm happy. I'm happy to be here in this conversation with you. Um, and so I, I think this is probably the first time most people in our community are meeting you. We have, we have heard and talked about the Jews of color initiative. Um, but I'm actually wondering if maybe, you know, I, I just gave your whole bio with, you know, all of the, uh, it, 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 <laughs> Wait, illustrious, that's the word I'm looking for, organizations that you have worked with and, you know, all over the country, including here in Chicago. Um, but would you like just tell us about you, you know, sort of like where you come from, who are you and and how did you get into the work that you are doing? 
My pleasure. And thank you again for the opportunity. I got to give some love to Rabbi Stephen Philp in absentia who made this possible. So thanks, Stephen. Hope you're having fun out there. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Arya Marvazi. My pronouns are he and him. And I am a first generation Iranian American. I was born and raised here in Los Angeles, which um, my community affectionately calls Tehrangelis, California. That's Tehran in LA. And, um, you know, I give this like sort of spiel often. So I was thinking about how to introduce myself in a way that's a little bit more like around the senses. And I was thinking around how I grew up in a home where Gugush, who is our share, like the Iranian share, if you will, who is like still currently in her 60 year long career and performing. Gugush music was playing in the home and there was like this delicious smells of saffron and gourmet sabzi, which has like 19 different spices being made for Shabbat. And it was a home where I watched my parents attempt to preserve everything that in essence, they were forced to leave behind culturally, identity-wise, communally speaking, in Tehran when the Islamic Revolution happened. And it was a really rich, beautiful, often challenging upbringing to both have this like gorgeous cultural um, identity and, and racial and communal identity, but then also be an American child, if you will, and try and um, reconcile the value differences between these two cultures and and what it meant to just be um, a child of immigrants that don't know the American system. That's like politically, economically, financially, in every, in every sense. So that really colors everything about me. Um, today, I'm a proud queer Jew. I'm like 15 years into my universe of Jewish communal service. Much love to Hillel for that. Um, and I, you know, whereas my, my journey of Jewish communal service started with more of like the, what we would call traditional Jewish communal ecosystem before in the past six years, it's been more around like inclusive and equitable Jewish life. And I was most recently at JQ International, that's Jewish queers working on, um, the healthy intersection of Jewish and queer life. And today I'm at the Jews of Color Initiative where everything that we do is about uplifting racial equity in the Jewish communal landscape, nationally speaking, through grant making, through programming, through educational um, programs and services. So that's the nutshell. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, um, you know, it's there's a the idea that the Torah wouldn't need to say all the things that it says if these things were obvious and things that people were already doing. But because people don't instinctively love their neighbors as themselves, the Torah has to say it. So as you're saying, you know, the um, Jews of Color Initiative is, you know, exists to help the Jewish community be more equitable. So that says to me, there was a problem. Can you uh, talk a little bit about the genesis of the Jews of Color Initiative and kind of what problem it's here to solve? Absolutely. So I'll, I'll do that by virtue of speaking to what the organization has done in just the past few years and what the impact of that has been. One of the first major efforts of the initiative was the drafting of counting inconsistencies. Um, our, our first body of research, it was in 2019, and it was a meta-analysis of, I believe, somewhere between 20 to 25 Jewish communal population studies, all of which in some magical way <laughs> and or afterthought, either did, just did not count Jews of color whatsoever, meaning we weren't even collecting that information or cognizant enough to identify that there are Black, Brown, Asian, Latino, and Native American, Pacific Island, like different Jews of different racial backgrounds. Um, but 
But beyond that, where there was the numbers and there was any sort of a reflection of like what sort of percentage of Jews in Jewish life are we are we able to say are Jewish um, based on these data studies, it was somewhere between 12 to 15 percent, which means in the, out of the 7.2 million Jews in America, we're looking at nearly a million of those. And we still consider that to be likely an undercount are Jews of color. And then there is this very real universal reality of the entire world based on globalization is going to go towards a greater multi-ethnic, multicultural, multi-faith, multi-racial place. And the Jewish world has no sense for this or, and, or is, I can't say that. I, I would say rather is maybe not focused on this, thinking about this as we think about Jewish continuity and Jewish education and Jewish representation and Jewish leadership so counting inconsistencies was like the body of work that sort of woke everyone up to, well, look at us, we're here, right? Just last year in August, we released Beyond the Count. That was the second body of research, and that was perspectives and lived experiences of Jews of color, all understanding sort of what is your experience in Jewish communal life. The staggering and unfortunate reality was that over 80% of respondents, there were over 1,100 um, I identified that they had experienced either racism or um, some challenge participating in Jewish life as it is. And there was, there, I mean, it's a beautiful read. I, I invite everyone to cozy up to it. It's on our website, the Jews of Color Initiative.org. It's called Beyond the Count. Um, and so this, this, this second research showed us that people are not connecting, people are not welcome, our infrastructures, our systems, our communities are not aware that Jews of color exists. And, and then when they do come to participate, the experiences are extremely challenging in predominantly white Jewish spaces. And so then there's this question of how do we, you know, what do we do about this? How do we remediate this? And this is what the Jews of Color Initiative is, is attempting to um, respond to is this very real um, universe of a multiracial Jewish world, but an unfortunate universe where, you know, if you look at Jewish leadership across the entire national landscape, I mean, just about 1% might be JOCs and the rest of them are not when 12 to 15% of the population identify as such. Um, what catalyzed this awakening? You know, like I, I think what you're describing of, you know, the it, Jews have been studying ourselves, right, in America for a long time, yeah. you know, in every, in the Pew studies, we're always, you know, like we're, we're a piece of the bigger story of America. And then we study ourselves and we tell stories about ourselves and Jewish continuity. And um, how, how did it even come to pass, first of all, you know, that there were these massive blind spots in those studies to begin with? And like, how did they get like, who noticed? How did that happen? That suddenly it was like, wait a second, we're missing 12 to 15% of people. That is not a statistical rounding error. That is, that's maybe a million people. Yeah. Well, I, I should open that answer by saying Alana Kaufman, our executive director and founder, is the right person to answer that question. I'll speak anecdotally to the stories that I understand about the bringing together of um Jews of color in leadership positions across the sector. I think it was at the Leichtag Foundation once at a roundtable discussion about like, we're here, we care, we're invested, we are leading. And we're looking at this sector that is completely absent to our existence, to our sort of 
arc of leadership to our you know capacity for greater impact and it was and i think lightstag was one of the larger foundations and first investors in this conversation if you will both by hosting that conversation and then of course investing fiscally afterwards but um it was the individuals that identify as JOCs and that were existing leaders that came to a roundtable and that began this dialogue around we have to do something about this and to and for us to remain in the status quo is for us to look at a Jewish communal landscape and sector that is irrelevant to the future of Jewish life and and that's where I know a lot of the seedlings were planted and, and where the momentum began what's interesting now is we are just on the heels of um coming out of our fiscal sponsorship and establishing the organization as a 501c3 it'll be i think the third joc led nonprofit um in our entire sector of over thousands of organizations and one could say that's almost irrelevant how incremental that is and another might say well as a result of the work over the course of the past 5 years alone the number of joc organizations now empowered by you know the grant making by the focus by the sort of uplifting and empowering of these leaders is is wonderful but we have an enormous path ahead of us to be doing this there's a long way to go there's a long oh. way to I mean, can i ask you like what is it what does it feel like to be doing this work to be kind of at the vanguard you know I, even as you're talking i'm like Oh God, there's something so depressing that the vanguard is happening now in 2022. This feels like this, you know, should have happened back in the 60s, you know, or the 70s or the 80s or the 90s or, you know, but okay, great. Here we are, you know, as, as we yeah. say, like we're here to do the work now. What does it feel like yeah, for I you? Oh, so appreciate that question. It's interesting that at dinner last night, naturally abortion rights came up and all of us are are scoffing and huffing and and just in disbelief that this is the national conversation and it struck me that maybe the real issue is to think can you believe that all of these countries are ahead of america and america is behind in this way when the truth is like well if we're still working on this document from the 1700s uh, you know like it's just it's like it's it's infuriating and it's um it's really um unfortunate the reality that these are the conversations that we're having i will say from an angle it is incredibly empowering and inspiring to see that individuals in positions of power and uh, i don't mean to say unfortunately but just realistically most often those are funders in our space have have heard this call have turned you know not their backs but their faces and hearts towards this movement and and not just with JOCI but across the the sector and are investing in ways that they know are long term um it's heavy work you know it was heavy work fighting homophobia in the jewish community it's heavy work fighting racism in the jewish community and from an angle there is you know i've i've known as a self-proclaimed non-profit jewish communal lifer <laughs> it's very hard to separate the personal and professional and i go to sleep thinking about my work and i wake up thinking about my work and i talk about my work over the weekends but i know that we are doing some i know that feeling man do i know that you feeling you would rather lose you absolutely yeah. would about people um like we know that we are doing the work that is essential um to a vibrant inclusive and truly sort of jewish life and leadership that is reflective of jewish peoplehood and like should we not be focused on that with every fiber of our being for the future of jewish life so yeah i mean i mean um Well okay so you brought up current events a minute ago and in one context um 
And I was thinking about, um, you know, like this horrific shooting that just happened in Buffalo over the weekend. And the 18-year-old shooter was a self-proclaimed white supremacist. And he believed in a theory that I feel like if, if you didn't know about it a week and a half ago, you know about it now, the great replacement theory, you know, uh, in which, as the, as the theory goes, Jews are uh, somehow masterminding the replacement of white Christian Americans, because it's, I'm not, I'm not replacing myself here as I sit in my smoke-filled back room. I'm trying to replace the legacy Americans, who of course are white non-Jews, um, with immigrants like your family, Arya, and African Americans, and and other um, other non-legacy Americans to to like displace the legacy um, Americans. And so the, this um, mm. this theory is it's sort of simultaneously racist and anti-Semitic and stupid. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm sort of like re- really this. I mean, but but okay, like a lot of people. A lot of people believe this. So um, it also reveals the ways in which the Jewish community is actually um, seen as bound up, you know, sort of inextricably connected with other minority communities in America in a very screwed up way in this theory. But um, but we are, in fact, connected to and inextricably bound up with other minorities in America. Um, and I think that's actually a potential for growth, for solidarity. So I wondered if you could maybe reflect on that, talk about that a little bit from where you sit. Yeah, I, I don't mean to make light of anything that you just mentioned, but it, it, it strikes me as you articulated it, that if it were Jews that were to bring people of diverse backgrounds into the center of the world and to like, in essence, give them power. That would be a beautiful thing. If diversity was, if Jewish people were always focused on empowering diversity, right? Not to replace anyone else, but because that's necessary and valuable. Um, I would say it is one of the greatest wins of white supremacy for us as Jewish community members to believe that the fight against anti-Semitism has to be placed against the fight against racism because they want us to believe that those two things cannot be fought together. And as a, you know, as a community that cares about these two things as necessary and relevant, but, you know, it is, it is to their benefit that we are so busy fighting around, well, we can't really care about JOCs right now because it's so much more important to care about anti-Semitism right now. Look at what's happening around the world. And the truth is, Yes, and both and 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 recognize that the individuals in your community are reflecting also a portion of the, the individuals that are experiencing anti-Semitism as well. Right. One is not mutually exclusive of the other. One should never be set in competition with the other. So this is the type of thing that arises for me, at least personally, as, as it relates to Buffalo. Um, one is just that sort of misconception that one must be prioritized over the other, which I think is so wrong and such a win for white supremacy if we were to think in that mindset. The second is, as an Iranian American, a first generation Iranian American, and as an individual who proudly identifies as a Jew of color, I also am very much an ally to black and brown and Asian and Latino Jews that may not have in certain moments white passing privilege that I do. 
Um, and in certain spaces, it's interesting when I think about like sort of in 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 all white spaces, I very much feel like a Jew of color. In all black spaces, then in essence, I am an ally to a black Jew or a black person of color. And that identity sways. And that's one of the reasons why we too, as an organization, don't have a said express definition of Jew of color. It is a moving identity and is an evolving one. And some Mizrahi and Sephardi do identify with that and some don't. And that's fine. Some some people of color, some black individuals don't like the term Jews of color and don't identify with that. All of that is okay. So long as we realize that there is a universe where individuals with racialized identities in America are experiencing a different Jewish world than, you know, white Jews, which is real, even though race is a social construct. And we need to address that. And, and those things come up when I think about the horrific, you know, moments of this past weekend and week and, and several years and decades for that matter. Uh, I'm so, I'm so glad you said what you said about sort of um, identity, you know, and racial identity being sort of a, a moving target. Did you say moving target or like a, a sort of, about, right? because I, I think that's something I, as, as a, as a white, you know, Ashkenazi descendant Jew, there are times when I am in spaces and feel deeply Jewish, like, and Jewish being my ethnicity and, and basically my race, you know, I mean, like, that's why my family is in America is because we were racialized as Jews over there. And now here I get to, you know, like I, I get for the most part to be white. Um, and that comes with its own, you know, set of privileges, but also mm-hmm. I, we, we actually just last night, um, had a whole conversation with a, a group of people in the community, members of Mishkan, who did um, a, like a, you know, an anti-bias training um, mm. with members of the community. But one of the questions we were talking through is like, what, what has that identity, you know, of privilege or whiteness, you know, having that racialized identity put on top of me here in this no. country, what does that cost me? You know, like what, what relationships am I, not deeply inside of, or, or what people who, which people do I not really understand because I have been racialized this way um, and sort of accepted in certain places um, and welcomed in certain places um, that others are actually not welcomed into. And how can I become more sensitive um, in, all of the ways, in all of the ways that, um, that, that I've actually been part of the problem too. Um, and so I was actually, so right. Like if 15% of, if let's say, let's say 20%, somewhere between 12 and 20% of Jews in this country are Jews of color, self-identified in, in, you know, in, in families, um, that include a person of color. Um, so that's the majority are still white, right? Is that sort of the implication? So I guess my question is like, what do you want? What do you want? people who look like me, you know, um, to, to know walking away from, you know, this conversation, like, what do you want us to think about? I love, I love the question. (laughs) And with, with, um, with humility, I'm going to, I'm going to answer it with what do I want you to do? (laughs) Um, but but just like from the angle of what I want everyone to know is what's in these studies and please do check them out on our website. Um, and they're so powerful because it just, colors everything we've talked about in a, in a much more detailed way. Um, but what I want people to do is to consider, you know, how for them, they may support organizations led by and serving Jews of color, support leadership of Jews of color in the spaces that they belong to. In fact, caveat, 
Nate Looney, a dear friend and who's, you know, who's a Jew of color and who's been in this space for much longer than I have. And who he has, actually, he did a training with us a couple months ago. That makes a lot of sense. Um, Nate said something that has always been in my head, but he said it so much better than I could. And it's as simple as this. I've heard even in my, I've been at the initiative for nearly five months. Um, but, you know, I've heard over time for so long, like people from communities, even leaders from communities say, listen, we care about racism, we care about inclusion, we care about equity. And we've said that and we've posted about it and we made a statement and, you know, we even had a Shabbat about it. Why aren't people coming? Like, why aren't more people coming to our spaces? And and one of the things that I heard Nate say was like, it's not necessarily about like, you know, a new outfit on the same body, right? It's about potentially like a new, a new system, a new structure, a new project, a new output. So it's not like, sometimes I think to myself, like, what do we do is, is, is have the conversation internally. If, if we would like to see our spaces evolve to be farther representative and inclusive of Jews of color, of queer Jews, of Jews of gender diverse identities, of Jews of differing abilities, all, all the ways that we care about justice, equity, diversity, and inclusion, um, that we that we have conversations with members from those communities to say, what, what haven't we done? How have you felt? What might we do better? And, and that type of thinking, I think, moves us to a different place because I, I do recognize that if there aren't JOC leaders in most Jewish communal spaces, which would mean then there are white leaders thinking about how to best serve Jews of color, then we're still missing the point, right? Um, and, and certainly by any means, anyone who's in this audience, like please feel free to tap me and we've got a wonderful list of um, DEI consultants. Our work is not specifically DEI, it's actually empowering and uplifting Jews of color in the Jewish communal landscape, but we've got a whole wonderful list of individuals that can help. But I would, I would say the last thing to close the thought is just remember that there is not a, as with so many elements of our Jewish world, there isn't an end date and there isn't a checkbox of we have done this and it is done and it is done well, right? It is, we are going to continue having the conversations about how do we make Jewish life the most vibrant, inclusive, and equitable until forever. <laughs> so if we can maintain that moving mindset, I think we're also all better off for it. Can you hear that zone? <laughs> you know, may it be so. May it be so from your mouth to God's ears. Um, thank you so much for being in this conversation and spending a little bit of Shabbat with us at Mishkan. Um, I hope to be there in person sometime, if not this summer, then soon thereafter. But I'm hoping for it. Great. Can't wait. Can't wait. All right. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Take good care. Shabbat Replay is a production of Mishkan Chicago. Our theme music was composed and performed by Kalman Strauss. You can always see where and when our next service will be on our calendar. There's a link in the show notes. And if you appreciated the program, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. I know you've heard it before, but it really does help. On behalf of Team Mishkan, thank you for listening. Thank you.